This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer, solicitation, recommendation, or endorsement of any particular security, product, or service. For more information, visit AssetBuilder.com. From the Asset Builder headquarters in Dallas, Texas, welcome to Keep It Simple, a show that discusses simple techniques and philosophies to help de-stressify investors around the world. I'm your host, Jared Herzog, and welcome to the show. All right. Ooh, Joey, back again. How are you doing today? Doing doing great. Awesome. We have Joey Bodinger, our fearless investment advisor representative. I'm Adam Morse, also investment advisor representative. Also fearless. Also fearless. Uh, Off camera, we have another fearless individual, (laughs) our podcast producer, Renee Bingman. Last week, we talked about the psychology of money. We got Mm -hmm. a few chapters in. That was part one. Um, We're going to continue. We got a lot of good feedback from that episode, a lot of good questions. Um, So I'm excited to kind of continue down that path because we all feel, we we both feel that it was a really impactful read. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so we're going to continue. We we got through five chapters last week. um, So I think we should just start right from the top, jumping back into chapter six. Oh, it's a good chapter to jump Um, into. Again, it was Morgan Hauser is Mm -hmm. the author. Mm-hmm. Um, book is called Psychology, the the Psychology of Money, <laughs> the Ohio State, yeah, the, the Ohio State University, <laughs> the Psychology um, of Money, and and it really is. I mean, the whole crux of the book is focused much more on changing how you think and how you approach money, mm-hmm. how you approach finances, as opposed to you know trying to crack the code in terms of like how yeah. to become wealthy. Right? There's yeah. a lot of people that'll sell you a hot take on how to do that. This is much more about wherever you are, mm-hmm. you can make concrete steps toward progress, right? Yeah. Towards becoming financially independent with mm-hmm. just shifting how you think about money. So like I said, got through five five chapters last week. I'm going to turn it over to you, Joe. We're going to start at chapter six called Tales You Win. It's it's a good one. All right. Um, so there's some walk solid, us through it. Some one-liners in here. Um, and this is, this is kind of just saying that success doesn't necessarily... Uh, success um, doesn't come from a, like winning 100% of the time especially mm-hmm. in investing. It is amazing that you can probably be wrong half the time and still be a very good investor. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, of the, one of the quotes that I love here, your success as an investor will be determined by how you respond to punctuated moments of terror, not mm. the years spent on cruise control, Ooh. which is so true. I think this last year especially has really tested some people and kind of kind of brought to light like, how good of an investor you really are. Necessary. I mean, um, a good investor is not someone that's always going to get 20% return. A good investor is is someone who can stick it out. Good really. investors are lazy. Yep. Yep. For the most part. Plain and simple. When I first started in this industry, a ton of people would talk to me about how they just didn't want to go through another 08. Mm-hmm. Like they were rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And there's there's so much empathy and, and sympathy and just compassion that comes with that because you see like the hurt on yeah. their face and you see like the real impact that it had. And the goal that you have talking to people like that is helping them like in a loving way, understand that, yes, that was a terrible thing to go through. Um, and certainly for most individuals, you were not responsible yeah. for 08, yeah. for, the, for the financial crisis. However, It's like truth with grace, right? Like the hard thing to communicate, but that you have to communicate if you're going to help this person learn from the experiences. Mm -hmm. There was a decision that you made Mm -hmm. in that process that that was on you, Mm -hmm. right? And that if you had avoided that decision, 
you could have really reduced the amount of damage caused. Yeah. And that decision was at some point, the fear got the best of you. Yep. And you panicked. Yeah. Right. You sold for most people. Yep. There are people that had concentrated stock and a handful of companies that went down, and that's unfortunate. But again, that's a lesson on not having concentrated you know, exposure yeah. to anything. Assuming a diversified portfolio, for most people, we're talking about like their 401ks, mm-hmm. you know, their target date funds. Selling those types of positions at the worst possible time is what hurts you. Mm-hmm. We know the market recovers. Mm-hmm. It might take two years, it might take three years, but most of the time it's a year or less. Mm-hmm. That was the case in the financial crisis, right? So that point of moments of terror when you get tested for most of the time it's it's you know markets are kind of up a little bit down a little bit it's easy to get through but it's those moments where you go oh my gosh are we in a new a new era a is new this, regime is this the end yeah is this the end that's where you get tested and it's the ability to be lazy through that mm-hmm. to see through that fear and that that uncertainty yeah. to kind of get to the other side. Yeah. But it's and I, hard. And I think, and this is, this is to your point, and then again, a quote from the book, in investing genius, genius is the word that he uses, is the man or woman who can do the average thing when those around them are going crazy. The average, not saying the like exceptional, the miraculous, yeah. Yeah. the average thing, which is just usually, usually don't sell, right? Re- um, reinvest. Yeah, reinvest. Um, if you can, it. if you have extra money, invest, right? Um, and so I, that's, it's just doing the average thing, right. right? Just in those moments of terror, not going crazy like the rest of those around you and just holding on. Right. So why is that? Right. So he talks about, you can be wrong half the time and still make a fortune. Mm-hmm. Right? And why is that? And, and I mean, he's literally statistically spot on. If you look at S and P 500 returns back into history, it's about a coin flip day to day or month to month or even year to year. If it's mm-hmm. an up year or down year right? Like half the time the market's down, Mm. but the half the time the market is up, it's up marginally more than half the time the market down. So in the magnitude of the ups versus the downs, the ups are slightly larger than the magnitude of the downs. Mm -hmm. So you should just get real comfortable seeing negative returns. That is part of the experience because you don't capture the positive returns without experience the negative returns unless you're a savant, right? Yeah. To my knowledge, we haven't found any of those yet (laughs) that can predict the future. And so it is really... The ability to tune out the noise, mm-hmm. to see the long-term trends, and to capture those long-term trends. Yeah. But it is exceedingly difficult, especially when when you look at your account balances, you're not seeing the dollar figure. You're seeing the time and the effort and the energy that mm-hmm. it took to get there. Yeah. And, and you're seeing the future that that money represents, right? Yeah. Your future ability to retire comfortably and to sustain mm-hmm. your lifestyle. So yeah. it's incredibly difficult, but... It really is the crux. It's what yeah. separates good investors from, from yeah, bad, and I think that's, quite honestly. And, and referencing one of our other podcasts we did, good questions to ask your advisor or to have prepared for your advisor. One of them that I think I want to ask potential clients going forward is how did you respond in 08? Mm-hmm. What, just because I want to know what you did. I want to I know where your fear lies or how much it can grip you. Did you sell immediately or yep. did you were you able to wait it out? And that's not to, and again, I'm not, chastising anyone, regardless of the move that they made, it's, it's, I just want to know, right? And here's the low key risk, right? Is that we talked about this in part one, but I've had a handful of people who nailed it. Yeah. Absolutely crushed it in 08. Yeah. They got out around the right time and they got back in around the right time Mm -hmm. and they absolutely destroyed it. The thing you have to remember is, yeah, 
was that skill or was that luck? Yeah. Right. And and do you want to make that the foundation of your approach moving forward? Because statistically, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. So I think it's really important to whatever whatever your experience was in 08, learn from it. Yeah. Analyze it, learn from it. And even last year, we don't have to go back to 08. Yeah. Last year was a perfect example, right? Mm-hmm. And we had to coach a lot of clients through discomfort mm-hmm. and through that that panic. Yeah. Right. And it's and again, and, and also empathizing again, I get it, right? Yep. I, I understand. So um, and I'm not saying as an advisor, we're just cold um, individuals to emotions or how things are actually playing out. Like we don't just look at spreadsheets and we're like, this is how you should react, right? Mm-hmm. We, we get it. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we also have money in the markets and feel it. So yep. um, it's just our job is to do the average thing. Right? And our job is to hold true and help people hold true. It's to not the sexy. Plan. It's not exciting. It's, yep. it's commonsensical, but it works. Yep, exactly. So... All right, moving on to chapter seven, so that we have a reasonable chance of ever getting through. We're probably going to do a we're probably going to do a part three. Um, I'll even say a part four. Yeah, but moving on to chapter seven, I love this one because this is something that we come into contact a lot mm-hmm. in our in our professional lives, but even personal lives. I and mean, I think we all know people that are very well off. Mm-hmm. We talked about this again in part one. But there's tendency for people to want stuff. Like we all like stuff, mm-hmm. right? I have witnessed firsthand with people close to me in my life, you can become a slave to the stuff. Oh, yeah. Stuff requires maintenance. Stuff is cost. Stuff is time. It's energy. You have people wanting to use the stuff. Like, you can become a slave to stuff. Mm-hmm. And to back up, this chapter is it's talking about freedom. Yeah. Right? The concept of, of freedom, particularly financial freedom. Yeah. And I think the underlying concept here is freedom is the ability to be self-dependent. Mm-hmm. And have control. And have control over your own life mm-hmm. has very little to do with the specific conditions or circumstances of mm-hmm. your life. In other words, y- you can measure satisfaction and people are much more satisfied when they have less stuff, but more freedom over their life and more control over mm-hmm. their life, how they spend their time, as opposed to someone that has all the stuff in the world but they have to grind 85, 90 hours a week to close the next deal, to get the next client, mm-hmm. to you know, get the next promotion, to maintain and that's all out of their that control. stuff. And that's yeah. out of their control. In other words, yeah. what do you really want mm-hmm. out of life? And, and what is money actually affording you? Mm-hmm. And if you really boil it down, the things that are actually valuable and that give us contentment and give us that control, like it's much cheaper yeah. than we actually think. Yeah, I mean, it's you know? just control your money, don't let your money control you kind that's of right. concept. And that's, that's right. I mean, that's what it is. And that'll probably, I will, I will say definitely give you more satisfaction, right? Yep. yep. But reference to an old podcast, getting the goalposts to stop moving. That's so and true. And that's so, it's so important. So, um, and there's probably a lot of people listening yeah. going like, well, that sounds like a great problem to have. Like, I'd yeah. love to have to learn how to not spend my surplus money. Right. Yeah. But again, building blocks, going back mm-hmm. to these first chapters, if you employ the concepts from these earlier chapters, like I'm, I promise you, eventually you will be at a place where mm-hmm. you have discretionary funds. Yeah. And it's not overnight. This will not be overnight. Absolutely not. Nothing this is a lifelong is pursuit. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if so. you're a younger person. I mean, it's going to take decades, but trust me, there will become a point in your life if you follow these concepts where you're going to have probably more than you need. Mm-hmm. And, and it's important. And I hope you do. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and I hope you start learning now not to just keep moving those goalposts and attaining more stuff because that's not freedom. That's not mm-hmm. flexibility. That's not owning your own time and owning yeah. your own energy, right? You're yeah. you're now a slave to either the means to acquire that stuff or the stuff itself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I think it's a really, it was a shorter chapter, but it's a really powerful one because I've, I've seen this play out 
multiple times, mm-hmm. right? Not not to even get to retirement, yeah. right? Because retirement's a whole different ballgame if you've built a life for yourself that requires a very high level of income to yeah. maintain. Oh boy. I mean, that is most an people, uncomfortable conversation. Most people aren't going to be able to maintain their their you know max earning yeah. into retirement. So if you can avoid ever getting in that position, man, you are ahead of the average person. Yeah, having, can, I think, I don't, I mean, it was, it was a, some client, I'm not going to name names, but just having to help them or have them understand, like either we sell one of your, the house that you, that your vacation home, or you change your expectations. Yep. It's just not a fun conversation. Yep. Like it's just really not. So yep. um, if you can avoid being the person that has to have that conversation had with, right? If that makes sense. If I said that right, that's great. Yep. That is great. So I definitely, if you can pr- get yourself that freedom, bring up, build up those disciplines to, to get that freedom, that'd be, that is awesome. So love it. Uh, moving, moving on. Chapter eight. Take us to it. Okay. So man in the car paradox. This is on my notes. I mean, we have, this is literally takes up one line and it is probably one of my favorite, uh, favorite lines. No one is impressed with your possessions as much as you are. Uh. And then on chapter nine. That's about all you need to yeah. say. <laughs> so this I mean, speaks to like back to that. Yeah. This speaks to the over leveraged man or woman yeah. driving the fancy car that's stressing them out. It's like, yeah. I hope you know that you're doing that for you. Yeah. No one else cares. Do you know why? Everyone else is worried about themselves. Yeah. We're worried about our own lives. I've got my own kids, my own bills, my own yeah. job. I've got I've got stuff I'm worried about. It's great for you yeah. that you have that stuff. But if you're doing those things to impress others or, or, or make yourself appear a certain way, guess what? Nobody's looking. Yeah. I mean, Nobody's if they looking. do, and then like, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll, I'll go, I'll see an Aston Martin. And the first thing I think is not, wow, I bet they're a solid human being. Not because they, they very well could be, Yeah, but I just think I don't have that car. I want that car. Yep. But I don't really, I'm not like. Don't make that. you feel any type of way about the person. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not that impressed with it. You know, right. I think it's all about identifying why are you doing the thing? I am not yeah. against anybody buying anything. If it's if it's affordable, if it's within your range, yeah. if it's within your capability. Now, I have my views on what I think helps people achieve contentment. Yeah. And I think an outward look is the path mm-hmm. as opposed to an inward look. Like you're never, if you're not content, you're never going to get there buying, acquiring things. It's just not going to happen. I've, mm-hmm. I've seen too many people try it professionally and personally, and it doesn't work. It's, an, it's a bottomless pit. Mm-hmm. An outward view how can I help others around me? How, how can I, this money can give me my freedom. What can I do with that freedom that will improve the lives around me? That's where it's found. But again, like people have passions, right? Like if it was mm-hmm. up to me, if I had the money to do it, I would build my own gym in my backyard. Custom. Mm-hmm. Every, you work out? A little bit. <laughs> I would have everything. I, I'd have a, yeah, a thousand no. square foot gym on Agreed. my own property and yeah. I would go all out on it. Is that necessary? No, but I'm passionate about it and yeah. it would improve my life. And I don't yeah. think that's wrong, but I think doing it for the right reasons. I shouldn't be doing that to impress others or yeah. to be showy. I wouldn't right? want someone to look over the fence and be like, yeah. oh, I'm so impressed with no that. No one cares. Yeah. And, yeah. and I need to be cognizant that no one yeah. cares, right? So mm-hmm. I, I just think it's a it was a, a short, quick chapter, but outsizing its importance. Because yeah. I think a lot of people fall, fall victim to this trap, especially here. We see yeah. it all the time. Yeah. I think, I mean, like for me, just to use a personal example, I, I've had this quote hit me uh, where I was about to buy something or I was thinking about it. And I'm like, oh, no one's as impressed with my possessions as much as I am. That's All right. right. I've got to make sure I'm buying this because I just genuinely want this, yeah. right? Like I, I genuinely, like if you're impressed with it, awesome. 
but I don't care. Right. Well, and you're like, going to attract just, the yeah. wrong kind of people into your life. Yeah, anyway. exactly. Probably I'm, the people you don't want. Yeah. yeah you're going to attract people that just probably want something from you or want to be associated with that type of lifestyle yeah. as opposed to someone that just wants to be in your life to use you as a status symbol. Kind yeah, of. yeah, exactly. You don't want those kind of people, yeah. people around. So there's freedom in that. There's a lot of freedom in recognizing like, I don't need all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's efficiency that comes with that. You'll, you'll be shocked at the amount of excess income that you have the minute yeah. you stop buying <laughs> yeah. stupid stuff. Yeah. Stupid when someone stuff. says, oh, well, not every time, but when, when someone's like, oh, I don't have enough money. I'm like, you don't? Are you sure? Let's, I mean, like you might, you generally might not have enough money for whatever you want. Do you need that car now? That's right. Do you need these clothes now? Um, and, and again, every circumstance is different. I'm not saying that's a general. Most people that say that, that yeah. it's relative to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. It, so. It's not a, it's not just objectively looking at their own life yeah. and going, do I have what I need? Yeah. Right. Moving on. Chapter nine. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. That was chapter eight. That was, that the, was the car eight, yeah. paradox. Chapter, chapter nine. Wealth oh. is what you don't see. Take us through it. Okay, I think this was, I think I might have stolen some lines from this chapter to talk about. I think it was chapter five. Yeah, chapter five. Again, one of the best quotes, spending money to show people how much money you have is the fastest way to have less money. Yep. And it kind of goes back to what we literally just talked about of like, no one cares about your possessions as much as you do. Someone that has a very nice car, Lamborghini, Ferrari, or Aston Martin, um, they might be very wealthy, but they also might be at the point of insolvency. You don't know wealth is something that you don't see, right? So wealth is what's in their bank account. They don't, people don't walk around with what's, what's in no, their bank literally, account. I, yeah. Literally, wealth is what you don't see. Yeah. The stuff that you see, 90% of what you see is a depreciating asset. Yeah. That's not wealth. Yeah. These clothes are not going to sell yeah, for the a car, price. The, yeah. the fancy watch, some watches appreciate for a period of time, but by mm -hmm. and large, the stuff that is showy, the stuff that people are doing to outwardly display, mm -hmm. It doesn't mean they can't be wealthy. I'm just saying that stuff isn't the wealth. Yeah. The wealth is the stuff behind the scenes that you will never see. Yeah. And their right? investment accounts. And, and their those things account, that yeah. you do see, by definition, it's depleted their wealth. It mm -hmm. may not have depleted it to a dangerous level, yeah. but it has depleted that wealth. Yeah. I think more importantly, the lesson here is what kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to be the person that is actually financially independent, but mm -hmm. may not appear that way? Or do you want to be the person that appears to the average person to be financially independent, but is anything but, mm -hmm. right? Do you want yeah. to be that person sleeping at the right stage? And this is extremely common, especially now. We did a podcast about this a while back when we did our notebook dump, but we've seen this through the pandemic and continue on. We know prices are going up. We know they're going up faster than wages. And yet consumer demand has remained at all-time highs. Why? There, something's got to give. And yep. what is it? It's debt. Yep. People are going into massive amounts of debt and it's going to be a thing. Like it's going to cause an issue for the yeah. economy in general. Don't be part of the problem. Yeah. Don't be that person. These people are not going into debt to buy groceries, by and large. They're going into debt to, to do the showy stuff, mm -hmm. right? To, to yeah, be the man in the car. There is a bunch of, uh, one, of my, one of my friends said this in Dallas. He's like, I've never seen it anywhere else as much as I've seen it in Dallas. There's a bunch of thousand dollar millionaires. It's unbelievable. Which just means that they make, they do not make the money that is necessary to have the possessions that they have, where it's just like, again, they're buying, they, they might ha make the money to buy those possessions, but they're not making the money to be wealthy underneath as well at the same time. The book says the only way to be wealthy is to not spend the money that you do have, which is true, right? Like again, back to that original quote that I said, the fastest way to lose wealth is to spend it, Yep. right? If you can hold on to it and invest it, um, or even just save it, I'm not even saying invest it, just save it, uh, that that builds wealth. Yep. And that's what that is. Yeah, so yourself. Yeah. Spend the money on yourself. In other yeah. words, freaking save it. Don't yeah. Be, don't be a dummy. Speaking of chapter 10, <laughs> save 
money. That is the title of the chapter. It is just save money. Save it's money. Everyone, yeah. And you really, you could stop there. Yeah. Um, and this is probably as common sense as anything can possibly get. But the idea here is, and we talk about this to clients all the time, by and large, the things that we don't control aren't the things that, that harm us. Mm-hmm. Like we don't control the market, but who would have thought market over time goes up? Yeah. Stop worrying about the things you don't control. The things that hurt you, and, and most people that worry about the market, why do they worry about the market? It's because they didn't do the things they could control better. Yeah. Which is they really don't have enough money. Yeah. Like to to do the things they want to do. And so they're on a razor's edge. Yeah. And they're panicking about the market because they need the market to sustain them. And that's when they rely on forecasts. Because if you were relying on a forecast to be right, then that, that's something that's, that's right. You're walking a dangerous line, right? And, and the we, more dependent you are on a forecast being exactly right and you're depending and like you have made a plan based off, let's just say one forecast. Yep. Right. That's when things get crazy. That's when that's when fear takes over, right? Yep. When things yep. go down. That's when you make a bad move and and you don't do the average thing that other investors are doing, and that's what really hurts you. Yep. So, like you said, those are those tend to be the people that are really, really, really concerned about the market. And and what if I'm right? If they had spent less time worrying about that kind of stuff, yeah, and spending that energy on again worrying about the extra 10, 20, 30, 100, 500 bucks a month mm. they could have saved, they'd probably now be in a position where. Market could go up, market could go down. I'm good. Yeah. I could put this money in cash and live That's two, it, two yeah. lifetimes. Like I'm fine. Yeah. This money's for my heirs. It's not for me. Yeah. Right. There that's real freedom. Yeah. Not having to depend on the market to keep this whole thing going. We're lucky at, at Asset Builder, at least, like most of our clients, we attract clients, I think, that are typically the people that don't show their wealth, right? Mm-hmm. It's the people that you would never expect are multimillionaires, oh, yeah. but they happen to be. There's some that have walked through the door and I was like, Huh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's a blessing to be able yeah. to work with those kind of people. But I was just at a at a meeting this week in Austin with a group of other advisors and other firms. And a lot of them were talking about it's those people with let's say one to three million dollars, but they're they're living on the edge mm-hmm. that are the most troublesome clients in the sense that they need the most coaching, as opposed to the people that have, let's say, five to seven. Mm-hmm. In retirement, and again, this is not correlated to their careers, their incomes, anything. Mm-hmm. It's correlated to their behaviors over multiple decades. Mm-hmm. The people with lots of money are way more worried about things. Why? Because they have to be. Yeah. There is no other lever to pull. Yeah. There's no lever to pull that says generate more cash. They mm-hmm. just need the market to go up. Yeah. The people that were more, should we say, consistent in the earning years are much more comfortable in retirement. Why? Because they don't need the market to sustain them. Yeah. They worried about what they could control. And that's the thing is two things you can control, I guess. And I'm speaking to you and, and this first one, a younger crowd, yep. your time horizon. If you can extend it, do it. Let compounding do its work. Yep. Number two, which everyone can control, is your savings rate, right? Like that is the number one thing that you can control. Building wealth has little to do with your income and yep. a lot to do with your savings rate. Yep. One of the ones I want to hit real quick, savings is the gap between ego and income. I was like, dang, that is good. And that's kind of back wow. to the point of like the man in the car, right? Yep. Of just like, okay, I don't have to have that. Let's just use in the car, for example. I don't have to have that car right now. So the idea being like, you want your ego some amount below your income. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah, you'll, you'll save. And yep. that's just, that's just the thing. You don't have to spend every dollar you make. Yep. These are such simple concepts, but like you look at the macro environment that we're in in this country and it's so important. Like this book along with a number of books, but this book should be mandatory reading for every high school student in the country. Yeah, senior year. This is a fundamental 
this would change America's future. And, and, and I truly believe that. Like, this would mm-hmm. change the trajectory of our country yeah. if we could get these concepts into people. If oh, we yeah. could make it cool to yeah. not be flashy, and I know that's like a probably never going to happen because yeah, humans human. like stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but if, if we could just get 10% more people to not care about being flashy, that would have a massive impact on, yeah. on future retirees, right? Yeah. On the millennial generation, on the generation coming up behind us. I mean, yeah. it's so important. Yeah. And and it's why we're talking about it. It's why we're going to talk about it in part three. Yeah. Um, because there's so many more concepts that are, are simple but powerful. Yeah. And, and that just, is what we that is the point of this podcast. What are the 10 to 15 concepts that we can talk about on a weekly basis that are simple but absolutely powerful? Essential. Yeah. yeah essential and meaningful. Right. Yeah. So I kind of want to go back to my high school and be like, hey guys, why didn't you require like, granted this book was written two years ago, I believe, yep. two or three years ago. Why don't we have financial literacy books in our oh, yeah. summer reading programs versus, I don't know, random, like the Scarlet Letter. Not that that's a bad no, book. No, no. I know some people like well, it. I would say but, like instead of like, <laughs> like how is that anthropology, like I took so many classes, yeah. not to bag on any teachers out there. Yeah. Um, but I have a hard time believing that this doesn't have, because you can't argue this is applicable to every human that goes through high school. Well, it level. turns out everyone makes money or everyone, needs money. Or at so. least hopefully or needs money, yeah. right? So, all right. So last announcement, good response to the last episode. So we're going to throw two more free books out there for anybody that will like, comment, and subscribe on any of three platforms, Apple, Podcast, Spotify, or YouTube. Uh, shoot us an email, podcast at assetbuilder.com. Let us know you did that. And we will send you to the first two people we hear from. We'll send you a free copy of The Psychology of Money mm-hmm. by Morgan Hauser. Um, right. Our fearless producer. Yes. Okay. <laughs> awesome. All right. I enjoyed it. We're keeping it short um, this week. We're going to be back with maybe a final part three. We'll see how we do. We're not in any rush. There's a lot of good stuff here. Um, So we're going to take our time in this book. But uh, for this week, I think that's going to wrap it up. Joey, anything that I forgot? No, just hope uh, everyone has a good week. Yep. Thanks for listening, everybody. Joey, thank you. To our fearless producer, Renee Bingman, thank you. Crush it again this week as always. And we'll uh, we'll see you guys next week. All right. See y'all. Bye, everybody. If you have any questions for Adam or Janet concerning this topic or anything else, please visit us at our home on the web, assetbuilder.com slash podcast. There you can find their contact information as well as the show notes for every episode.